It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com earnings right now. NetSuite.com earnings. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Monday, May 23rd, 2022. Coming up this hour. Stock futures rise following the longest losing streak for the S&P 500 in decades. President Biden said the U.S. would intervene to defend Taiwan from China. More baby formula arrives in the U.S. And Broadcom is in talks to buy a top cloud computing company. New York City police continued to search for the gunman in a deadly random subway shooting. Plus, Ukraine says up to 100 of their soldiers die every day. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm Scott Sandberg. The Yankees swept in a doubleheader. The Mets pick up a win and the Rangers defend home ice. I'll have that and more coming up in sports. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm John Tucker. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures on the rise this morning. We're coming up to 601 on Wall Street. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 23 points. Dow futures up 170. NASDAQ futures up 53. The DAX in Germany is up half percent. Ten-year Treasury down 11.30 seconds. Yield 2.82 percent. And the yield on the two-year, 2.60 percent. And NYMEX crude oil is up 1.2 percent. John. And Karen, the rise in futures comes after the S&P 500 touched bear market territory on Friday and closed lower for a seventh straight week. According to Bespoke Investment Group, it's just the S&P's fourth streak of seven or more weekly losses in the post-World War II era. Alan Zafrin is founding partner and co-CEO at IEQ Capital. Sentiment is terrible right now. So we're, we're ready for a bear market rally. But it's still probably a bear market rally until such time as there's evidence the economy is very close to a bottom. Alan Zafrin of IEQ Capital is not alone in thinking stocks will head lower. According to the latest Bloomberg MLI Pulse poll, participants see the S&P 500 falling another 10%. Well, John, while many traders see the U.S. economy headed for a recession, the president of the United States isn't so sure. He answered the question at a press conference in Tokyo overnight. In your view, is a recession in the United States inevitable? No. Why not? Our GDP is going to grow faster than China's for the first time in 
40 years. Now, does that mean we don't have problems? We do. We have problems that the rest of the world has, but less consequential than the rest of the world has them because of our internal growth and strength. And at the same press briefing in Tokyo, President Biden made headlines when asked if the U.S. would defend Taiwan from a China attack. Are you willing to get involved militarily to defend Taiwan if it comes to that? Yes. You are? That's a commitment we made. President Biden also announced that a dozen Indo-Pacific countries will join the U.S. in a sweeping economic initiative designed to counter China's influence in the region. And earlier in his trip during his stop in South Korea on Sunday, the president also addressed the growing concern over monkeypox cases around the world. It is a concern in the sense that if it were to spread, it's consequential. That's all they've told me. President Biden says he's speaking to advisors about monkeypox. The president's national security advisor, Jake Sullivan, says the U.S. has a relevant vaccine ready to be deployed to treat the disease if needed. Well, the U.S. monitors the monkeypox situation, John. It is getting some relief this morning on the battle against the baby formula shortage. We get the latest live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. A plane load of more than 70,000 pounds of baby formula arrived in the U.S. on Sunday. It's called Operation Fly Formula, an emergency program to alleviate the national shortage that left some parents scrambling to feed their children. President Biden's top economic advisor says more formula will start arriving in stores as early as this week. And last week, the president invoked emergency powers under the Defense Production Act to spur domestic manufacturing of baby formula. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Renita, thanks. After a two-year hiatus because of the pandemic, the annual World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland is back. But without the hype of years past, our Tom Keen is covering the event for both Bloomberg Radio and Television. This will be a different Davos. There's no question about it. I think the major thing is the change of calendar, not January, but May. And much more, it will be compressed pretty much from four days down to three days. Travel schedules seem to be so tight for so many people attending. The war is absolutely front and center. There's no question about that. There will be some other themes, some ideas of risks uh, as well. But the overarching theme besides the war, as my colleague Paul Sweeney mentioned, is the idea here of what do we do about inflation. And that will transcend the dialogue all the way, all, all the way through this uh, three days in Davos. Thanks, Tom. Bloomberg's Tom Keen reporting from Davos beginning this morning, along with Lisa Bramowitz on Bloomberg Surveillance. And stay tuned for that. That's coming up at 7 a.m. Wall Street time. Well, Christine Lagarde is one official who will be in Davos this week, John. But ahead of her appearance, the European Central Bank president is making some critical comments about cryptocurrencies. We get more from Bloomberg's Maria Tadeo in Brussels. She gave an interview to a Dutch television. She said that this thing is trash. It carries no value, and it's an investment uh, vehicle for some to get very rich, but for other very naive people to lose potentially a lot of money. But, of course, you know, this is a central banker. Bitcoin, crypto, everything around it, we know essentially tries to defy uh, central bankers. So, of course, what's a central banker, what's the head of the ECB going to say? That it's trash and she doesn't believe in it. And Bloomberg's Maria Tadeo says so far Lagarde's comments are not impacting cryptos. And checking Bitcoin right now, it is higher, up 1.8% at $30,430. And we're seeing shares of VMware up uh, 19% in early trading. The cloud computing company and talks to be bought by Broadcom. Details on that from Bloomberg's Doug Krisner. 
VMware, based in Palo Alto, makes virtualization software. It allows a small number of servers to do more by enabling each to handle more than one program. Broadcom is a Singapore-based giant in the semiconductor industry. A deal would help it diversify beyond computer chips. VMware has a market cap of around $40 billion. So far this year, its shares are down 20%. In New York, I'm Doug Krisner, Bloomberg Daybreak. And Bloomberg Daybreak being brought to you by BNY Mellon's Pershing Inside Conference back in person June 15th through the 17th at the Gaylord Resort in Grapevine, Texas. Don't miss it. Register now at insight.bnymellon.com. This is Bloomberg. At 607 on Wall Street, time to bring in Michael Barr to find out what else is going on in New York and around the world. John, thank you very much. An unidentified gunman has shot and killed another passenger on a moving New York City subway train. Police officials say it appears to have been an unprovoked attack, and the victim, a 48-year-old man, died at a hospital. NYPD Chief of Department Kenneth Corey. At this time, there are no arrests. The suspect is described as a dark-skinned male who is heavy-set with a beard. Police say the shooting took place yesterday on a Q train traveling over the Manhattan Bridge at around 11.40 a.m. That's a time of day when subway cars are often filled with families, tourists, and people headed to brunch. Meanwhile, the victim was a member of Solomon uh, Solomon Sachs, and uh, we understand that the chairman of the company said that it was a disaster what happened, and he was beloved, the victim. Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida told President Joe Biden that Russia's aggression cannot be tolerated. The two leaders met in Tokyo to discuss regional security and economic cooperation. Speaking through a translator, Prime Minister Kishida. Russia's aggression against Ukraine undermines the foundation of global order, and we can in no way allow whatsoever such attempts to change the status quo by force wherever it may be in the world. Prime Minister Kishida's comments come as the United Nations agency said the war in Ukraine has displaced more than 100 million people from their homes. Ukraine's president says up to 100 of its soldiers die every day in battle. Republican Congresswoman Liz Cheney of Wyoming was one of five individuals last night to receive the 2022 John F. Kennedy Profile and Courage Award. In her live stream acceptance speech, Cheney, who serves on the special committee investigating the January 6th Capitol riot, spoke about the continuous threat to democracy. We face a threat we have never faced before. A former president attempting to unravel our constitutional republic. The award was also handed to Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky and three U.S. officials defending the integrity of the 2020 presidential election. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. John. Michael, thank you. It's now 6.10 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's Scott Seidenberg. Good morning, John. Igor Shesterkin made 43 saves. Mika Zibanejad had a goal and an assist as the Rangers beat the Hurricanes 3-1 at the Garden yesterday. Chris Kreider and Tyler Mott also scored as the Blue Shirts defend home ice. Now trail two games to one. Here's head coach Gerard Gallant. Go to power play goal. That's how you win hockey games, a tight game. So it was a battle, tight battle again tonight. They Obviously, Igor, Igor was outstanding for us, and that was the key. It was just the second win for the Blue Shirts over Carolina in their last 10 meetings. 
Game 4 at the Garden tomorrow night. Baseball, the Yankees dropped both games of a doubleheader to the White Sox. 3-1 in Game 1 and a 5-0 shutout loss in Game 2. The Mets, meanwhile, blanked the Rockies 2-0. Taiwan Walker threw seven scoreless innings. NBA playoffs, the Warriors take a commanding 3-0 series lead over the Mavericks with a 109-100 win. Golf, what an exciting finish at the PGA Championship yesterday. And Justin Thomas is walking around for the quick tap, and he's got it. A two-time major winner of the PGA Championship, Justin Thomas, is your 104th PGA Champion here at Southern Hills in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The call is heard right here on Bloomberg Radio. Justin Thomas winning his second Wanermaker Trophy, outlasting Will Zalatoris in a three-hole playoff. I'm Scott Seidenberg with Bloomberg Sports. All right, Scott, thanks very much. And ahead uh, of the cash open on Wall Street futures in the green right now. The Dow futures, they are up 206 points. That's up seven-tenths of a percent. S&P E-mini futures 27 points higher, up seven-tenths of a percent after the broader index just skirted uh, the definition of a bear market on Friday. NASDAQ futures 66 points higher. That is up six-tenths of a percent right now. Ten-year treasury 282, the yield of three basis points. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Still ahead on Bloomberg, what is next for the markets? We'll ask Patrick Armstrong. He's the chief investment officer of Me Wealth. Does he see signs of a bottoming? This is Bloomberg. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Stocks in the yuan advancing after President Joe Biden said China tariffs imposed by the Trump administration were under consideration. The dollar and treasuries are retreating. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 27 points this morning. Dow futures up 211. And NASDAQ futures up 64. The DAX in Germany is up six-tenths of a percent. Ten-year treasury down 10.30 seconds. Yield 2.81 percent. They yield on the two-year 2.60 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up 1.1% up $1.23 at $111.51 a barrel. COMEX gold up 1.1% or $20 at $18.68.40 an ounce. The euro 1.0673 against the dollar. British pound 1.2575. The yen is at 127.43. And Bitcoin this morning up almost 2% at $30,500. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. President Joe Biden says the U.S. would intervene militarily if China were to invade Taiwan. Speaking in Tokyo, President Biden says such a move would dislocate the entire region. White House officials later said that Biden simply meant the U.S. would provide military equipment to Taiwan, not send troops to defend the island if China attacks. A C-17 military cargo plane carrying about 78,000 pounds of specialized baby formula from overseas landed in Indiana yesterday to help ease the shortage. In the NHL playoffs, the Rangers beat the Hurricanes 3-1. Carolina still leads the series two games to one. In the NBA playoffs, the Warriors beat the Mavericks to lead the Western Conference Finals three games to zip. In baseball, the Yankees lost a doubleheader to the White Sox. 
The Mets, Red Sox, Orioles, Nationals won. The Giants and A's lost. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Tank, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, John. Michael, thank you. It is coming up on 620 on Wall Street. We are live for the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Well, U.S. equity futures, as Karen mentioned, are higher this morning after the S&P 500 dropped for a seventh straight week. So what's next for investors? Joining us now, Patrick Armstrong, Chief Investment Officer at Plurimi Wealth. Patrick, do you see signs of bottoming in the markets? I think you can make a case that markets will be bottoming around this level, assuming the United States doesn't fall into a recession. So surprisingly, when we entered 2022, um, analysts were expecting 220 earnings per share for the S&P 500. Those earnings estimates have actually been increased this year to 227 is what analysts are expecting right now. So the whole sell-off's been driven by multiple contraction, which makes perfect sense given that liquidity is getting withdrawn from the system. Ten-year yields have uh, shot up um, close to 3%. I think they're going to continue to move higher. But as long as you don't see a real earnings recession, and I don't think that happens unless you have an economic recession, it'll come down to what Powell wants to do. He's got 50 basis points hiking in June and July. If he assesses the lay of the land and starts to ease and uh, accepts higher inflation rather than provoking a recession, I could see around these levels being a bottom for the S&P. With a P.E. multiple of somewhere around 19 for the S&P 500, is that uh, worth investing? Is it cheap at this point? Well, I wouldn't call it cheap. So on a forward basis, it's 17 P.E. On a trailing basis, 19 and a half. Um, Those are pretty normal um, PEs, so they're not um, elevated anymore, but they're, they're not cheap. I wouldn't call it cheap. On a price-to-sales basis, the S&P 500 is at 2.4 times, and that's still very elevated. A typical price-to-sales multiple is 1.6 times. So um, on an earnings basis, you could say fair-valued. On a price-to-sales basis, you can still say 30% overvalued. It'll come down to what uh, profit margin um, companies are able to generate. So if we do go into an environment where basically companies have their margins squeezed, which is totally plausible when you look at producer prices running much higher um, inflationary backdrop than consumer prices are, that basically implies that companies will be getting squeezed. You should see a lower price to margin and probably significantly lower price to sales. Are growth stocks off the table for you? I don't like the most extreme growth stocks. Um, the stocks that don't have earnings yet and have business models where they're hoping to get earnings over the next decade, this isn't the environment you want to be chasing those kind of disruptors and hoping uh, that eventually they'll grow their way into the multiples they trade at. That makes a lot of sense when liquidity is abundant, when interest rates are zero, and we're in an environment where quantitative tightening is beginning next month. Um, we think 10-year yields are moving well above 3% for the remainder of this year. So. I prefer value stocks that are producing cash flow today and the companies that don't have earnings. I think the market's going to continue to punish them. Does it feel like we've done a round trip? We're back to levels that we uh, saw before the start of the pandemic. Um, well, on some of the most growth stocks, yeah, they've fallen 70%. You're back to levels you were um, during the pandemic. I actually think they have further to fall because there's still billions in market cap that just don't even have a path to profitability, in my opinion. So um, a lot of the new IPOs even had in their prospectus, we don't have a path to profitability. But when interest rates were zero, investors still flopped into them. So I think it's an environment very similar to Q4 2001, where the 
the growth stocks still sold off, but the companies that were producing cash flow, the market started to rotate into them. And I do think there's a lot of good companies out there right now that are trading at 10 to even eight times earnings. We bought Mosaic on Friday, which is a, owns potash reserves, which is used in fertilizer. It's trading at eight times earnings, and I think you're going to have a very strong backdrop with uh, agricultural commodity prices where they are. Uh, Gage, for me, you're uh, the risk of a recession at this point. So it's plausible. It's not my base case in the United States. It's going to come down to Powell um, if he blinks, and he's got to make a policy mistake. He's got to decide, I'm going to create a recession or I'm going to let inflation stay well above my 2% target. I actually think he's going to go for the second option and probably let inflation stay high. Um, as long as it is showing signs that it has plateaued and coming down towards 2%, I don't think he'll need to do the final kick to get it down to 2%. And that should allow the U.S. to avoid a recession, but uh, the consequences will be inflation much higher than the target. Patrick, a pleasure. Appreciate it. Patrick Armstrong, Chief Investment Officer at Plurimi Wealth, with us this morning. And ahead of the open of Wall Street, we have Dow futures up 189 points. That's up six-tenths of a percent. S&P futures 24 points higher. That's up six-tenths of a percent. And the Nasdaq futures up 55 points. That's up half a percent right now. Ten-year yield at 281, three basis points higher. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. And the Bloomberg weather from meteorologist Rob Carolyn. Partly sunny. It's going to be cooler today and less humid. The high temperature topping out at 75 degrees. Mostly cloudy tonight. Lows 55 to 60. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119 and around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm John Tucker. And I'm Karen Moscow. We are just about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Time for the five things you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by Interactive Brokers. Interactive Brokers charges margin loan rates from 1.33% to 2.33%. Rates subject to change. Learn more at ibkr.com slash compare. Up first, futures are up amid expectations traders will help lift the S&P 500 after it touched bear market territory Friday. Despite talks of a U.S. recession, Credit Suisse CEO Thomas Gonstein said he doesn't see one happening. People are somewhat insecure. They are in risk-off mode. But our house view still is that there won't be a recession, neither this year nor next year. There will be a slowdown. Credit Suisse CEO Thomas Gottstein was speaking in Davos with Bloomberg's Francine Lacqua. The annual Davos World Economic Forum is back this year. Tune in to Bloomberg Radio and Television for full coverage this week. Overseas President Biden indicated China tariffs imposed by the Trump administration are under consideration. He also declared the U.S. military would intervene should China attack Taiwan. But White House officials later stated the U.S. would provide military equipment to the island, not send troops. President Biden also announcing that a dozen Indo-Pacific countries will join the U.S. in an economic initiative designed to counter China's influence in the region. Well, John, before boarding Air Force One in South Korea yesterday, the president addressed the growing monkeypox outbreak. Well, they haven't told me 
the level of exposure yet, but it is something that everybody should be concerned about. We're working on it hard to figure out what we do. And President Biden says he spoke to advisors about the monkeypox virus. While the U.S. monitors monkeypox, it's getting relief on the battle against the baby formula shortage. And Bloomberg's Renita Young joins us live with more. Renita, good morning. Good morning, John. A plane load of more than 70,000 pounds of baby formula arrived in the U.S. on Sunday. It's called Operation Fly Formula, an emergency program program to alleviate a national shortage that's left some parents scrambling to feed their children. President Biden's top economic advisor says more formula will arrive in stores as early as this week. Last week, the president invoked emergency powers to spur domestic manufacturing of baby formula. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thank you. And turning back to equity, shares of EMware are up 19% in early trading. The cloud computing company is in talks to be bought by Broadcom. Futures are moving higher. That's the five things you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by Interactive Brokers. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines. And this is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. 633 on Wall Street. Time to bring in Michael Barr to tell us what else is going on in New York and around the world. John, thank you very much. The search is on for a gunman who shot a man on a subway train in Manhattan Sunday morning. The suspect fled. The 48-year-old victim died later at a hospital. NYPD Chief of Department Kenneth Corey says the victim was shot in the chest. According to witnesses, the suspect was walking back and forth in the same train car and without provocation pulled out a gun and fired it at the victim at close range. NYPD Chief of Department Kenneth Corey says there was apparently no prior contact between the victim and the suspect. Meanwhile, the chief executive of Goldman Sachs says the 48-year-old man shot and killed was an employee of the firm. David Solomon says Daniel Enriquez was a beloved member of the company for nine years. Solomon says the firm was devastated by this senseless tragedy, and our deepest sympathies are with Dan's family at this difficult time. Russia is intensifying its attacks in eastern Ukraine as President Volodymyr Zelensky calls for even more powerful weapons to counter the Russian invasion. Zelensky says between 50 to 100 Ukrainian soldiers die every day on the battlefield. Meanwhile, the threat of possible nuclear attacks continues from President Putin. Former chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Admiral Mike Mullen, says while he doesn't believe Putin will actually use nuclear weapons, it's a possible action they have to consider. It's very difficult to know what Putin is thinking at any particular time. He's obviously spoken to this. Uh, I think we need to make sure that we consider it. Former chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Mullen, spoke on ABC's This Week, which can be heard Sundays on Bloomberg. Mask requirements and advisories are back in cities with a rise in COVID-19 cases. Philadelphia is one of them. Starting today, face coverings there will be mandatory indoors and on school buses. Today was supposed to be the day that the COVID-era border policy Title 42 was set to end, but a federal judge in Louisiana blocked the Biden administration from ending it. However... That is not stopping a steady stream of migrants to arrive trying to get into the U.S. Families with young children arrived over the weekend in Yuma, Arizona. Beijing has extended orders for workers and students to stay home and ordered additional mass testing as cases of COVID-19 again arise in the city. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, John. Michael, thank you. 
KSL 636 on Wall Street. That is time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's Scott Seidenberg. Thanks, John. The Rangers desperately needed a win yesterday to avoid falling down three games to none against the Hurricanes. Igor Shesterkin was up for the task, stopping 43 shots as the Blue Shirts defeated the Canes 3-1. to Game four at the Garden tomorrow night. Elsewhere, the Lightning take a three-game-to-none lead over the Panthers with a 5-1 win. Edmonton goes up two games to one over the Flames with a 4-1 victory. Baseball, Raldis Chapman surrendered a tie-breaking home run to A.J. Pollock in the top of the ninth inning as the Yankees dropped game one of a doubleheader to the White Sox 3-1. They would also lose game two, being shut out 5-0 despite Luis Severino going seven scoreless innings. The Yankees losing two straight for just the second time this season. The Mets, meanwhile, blanked the Rockies 2-0. Taiwan Walker throwing seven scoreless innings. NBA playoffs, the Warriors take a 3-0 series lead over the Mavericks with a 109-100 win in Dallas. Game four of the Eastern Conference Finals tonight in Boston. Miami leads two games to one. Golf, what an exciting finish at the PGA Championship yesterday. And Justin Thomas is walking around for the quick tap, and he's got it. A two-time major winner of the PGA Championship, Justin Thomas, is your 104th PGA Champion here at Southern Hills in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The call is heard right here on Bloomberg Radio. Justin Thomas winning his second Wanermaker Trophy, outlasting Will Zalatoris in a three-hole playoff. I'm Scott Seidenberg with Bloomberg Sports. All right, Scott, thanks very much. It is now 6.37 on Wall Street. And it is time now to take a look at some of the stocks on the move, some of the names that are moving in the pre-market. And for that, we're joined by Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent Kriti Gupta. Let me uh, guess. Deal news. Deal news. Morning. What a great guess. Uh, really on top of things here. <laughs> Somebody's making money. Someone is. Uh, it's not me, but, you know, that's a different conversation. Um, what's interesting here is, is the players. We've talked a lot about this, about the extreme amounts of cash that are on a lot of balance sheets in corporate America, specifically in the tech sector. So why not hop into that M&A boom? Well, here's one example that that is, in fact, what's happening, really deploying some of that cash in this inflationary environment. I mean, John, a five-year-old could tell you you that if you're if you're not spending five dollars today it's going to be worth less tomorrow it's better to spend it today and it kind of seems like that's the tone a lot of these companies are taking which brings me to the deal of the morning broadcom it's said to be in talks to buy vmware this is a cloud company uh, backed by the billionaire michael dell broadcom we know it as one of the chip makers in the apple supply chain uh this morning let me walk you through the stock price action broadcom avgo is your ticker down 4.3%. VMware, though, climbing over 19% in the pre-market. Now, of course, we don't have any confirmation from either parties about whether or not this is, in fact, going through. This is according to people familiar with the matter. Uh, a Bloomberg scoop, I might add. But this is important as we talk about what could be the biggest ever acquisition of a technology company. Essentially, this would give Broadcom a, a unique insight into just a very different part of the technology of the software space. And we know cloud companies are very hot right now, just given a lot of these companies uh, haven't switched to cloud infrastructure yet. They've kind of started doing that post-pandemic and really amping that up in this era of needing more cybersecurity and things like that. So that's where cloud companies 
really come in handy. So investment bankers can salivate at least at this particular time for this particular industry because more is on their way, I suspect. Well, potentially. And, I mean, you do start to see a little bit of reaction in some of the other cloud companies as well. If you look at Oracle, for example, which has a major market share when it comes to cloud computing, it is up five-tenths of one percent. Splunk is another one that you want to keep your eye on. SPLK is your ticker, and it is up just shy of 3%. So once again, you are seeing a lot of this deal activity throughout uh, the day. ServiceNow is another one. NOW is the ticker, up 1.2%. And lastly, I'll leave you with CHKP. That's Checkpoint Software Technologies, up 1.7%. So cloud technologies, they're hot this morning. I found this stat. uh, Takeovers of tech companies up 46% this year. That's uh, globally. That's interesting. Consolidation. Uh, Critty, thank you very much. Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent Critty Gupta. And ahead of the open on Wall Street S&P futures right now, 34 points higher. You are listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. And the Bloomberg weather from meteorologist Rob Carolyn, partly sunny. Going to be cooler today and less humid. The high temperature topping out at about 75 degrees. Mostly cloudy tonight. Lows 55 to 60. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Futures are gaining this morning. We go to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call. Here's Bill Maloney. Bill, good morning. And good morning, Ken. That's right. U.S. futures are in the green right now with Dow futures up 260 points. S&P's gained 34, while Nasdaq futures rise by 85. The U.S. 10-year-old at 2.82%. Gold is up 15. Oil is also climbing. And Bitcoin is rising by 1.9%. Japan gained 1% overnight, while European markets are trading mostly higher this morning. And back in the U.S. on the economic front at 8.30, Chicago Fed. In deal news, Broadcom is in talks to buy VMware. VMware shares are up 21% pre-market. And in other news, J.P. Morgan boosted its guidance for fiscal year net interest income, ex-markets forecast. Wrapping things up, HP Inc. was cut to neutral over at Citigroup. Live from the first of breaking news desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Karen? All right, Bill, thank you to hear live breaking economic news over your Bloomberg type squawk on your terminal SQUAWK. That's a Bloomberg business flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. President Joe Biden said the U.S. military would intervene to defend Taiwan in any attack from China. In Tokyo, Biden said such a move would dislocate the entire region and be an action similar to what Russia has done in Ukraine. White House officials later said that Biden simply meant The U.S. would provide military equipment to Taiwan, not send troops to defend the island of China, attacks. A military plane carrying enough specialty infant formula for more than a half a million baby bottles arrived yesterday in Indianapolis. It's the first of several flights expected from Europe aimed at relieving a formula shortage. In the NHL playoffs, the Rangers beat the Hurricanes. In the NBA playoffs, the Warriors beat the Mavericks. In baseball, the Yankees lost a doubleheader to the White Sox. The Mets, Red Sox, Orioles, and Nationals won. The Giants and A's lost. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. John. All right, thank you, Michael. And we are live from the Bloomberg 
Interactive Broker Studios, where it is now 649 on Wall Street. Time to check what's going on in D.C. Some of the top stories at our nation's capital include President Biden says the U.S. military, as Michael mentioned, would intervene to defend Taiwan in any attack from China. A statement condemned by Beijing, later walked back by White House officials. And President Biden saying he'll discuss tariffs on Chinese imports with the Treasury Secretary upon his return from his Asia trip. President Biden seeking to reassure, uh, reassure Americans that the current monkeypox outbreak unlikely to cause a pandemic on the scale of COVID-19. And also a high-stakes Republican primary in Georgia tomorrow. Let's take a deeper dive into some of these stories this morning. We're lucky to have unscripted Greg Valliere, the chief U.S. policy strategist at AGF Investments. Hopefully we won't have to worry about you speaking off the cuff and angering China, Greg. But uh, it gives you an indication of some of the things that the president and his advisors are up against when you uh, are asked questions, complicated uh, questions about uh, U.S. policy. Well, this is once again a story of uh, Joe Biden going off script. Is His advisors cringe when he does it, and here we are again saying something that previously, earlier this year, the, the White House said uh, is not accurate, that we have abandoned our strategic ambiguity. Uh, but here we have Joe Biden, uh, I think, disrupting what was looking like a pretty good uh, trade meeting, uh, trade trip to Europe, good relations with South Korea, and now everything has been discombobulated by the comments he made last night. Um, and uh, it's not the first time that this has happened. What kind of message does it send more broadly to uh, to his constituents and his opponents? Two things I'd say. Number one, like Donald Trump, he doesn't listen to his advisors. I mean, every Democrat seemed to think that Trump was oblivious to his advisors, but it's looking like Joe Biden is the same. Uh, number two, he's very stubborn. He's been told time and time again not to use this phrase. He chose to use it. Either he didn't remember or he just is very, again, he's very stubborn, but it's not a good signal. Uh, President Biden says he's going to discuss tariffs on Chinese imports with uh, Janet Yellen upon his return. They're walking back some of the things uh, that were uh, that the Trump administration did, uh, and it seems to be good news at least for the markets, right? I, I think it's a it's a pretty good signal. Uh, I, I think that uh, there are some things to be reasonably positive about. The budget deficit's coming down. The unemployment rate is really low. The economy is not in recession. There are still some decent stories out there, but you know, barring some sudden reversal, I do think the Republicans will gain the House and maybe even gain the Senate. Uh, and at this point, well, let's let's talk about the elections. Um, some of the takeaways from the primaries that we just had. What was the big message for you? I think the big message is that it's still all about Trump in all of these races. And some he won, some he lost. Some extremists won, some extremists lost. But in all of these elections, Biden's uh, Trump was still a big factor. And now we get a really big race tomorrow night in Georgia, a race in which I think uh, Donald Trump is going to get smoked. I think he's going to lose badly. This is uh, Brian Kemp, the incumbent, and uh, David Perdue. Uh, explain for us the differences between the two. They're, they're pretty significant. Yeah, they're both conservative Republicans, but one of them, of course, 
uh, Kemp, the governor, uh, didn't support Donald Trump's uh, ridiculous claims that he won Georgia. So Trump has a vendetta. Uh, and he wants to see Kemp lose. Unfortunately for Trump, Kemp is ahead by 20, 25 points, maybe even more. So I think the, uh, the, the Trump favorite, uh, fellow by the name of Purdue is going to lose badly. This will be the first sign that Trump is not infallible, that he can lose some of these races where he nominates someone he's convinced is going to win. And uh, Democrat Stacey Abrams, she's unopposed in the gubernatorial primary on the uh, on the Democratic side. There's also the uh, the Warnock uh, Senate seat. That is that. How vulnerable is it? And Herschel Walker, I should mention, is his opponent. Yeah, it's an interesting race, but I, I'm not sure that Herschel Walker. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm not sure Herschel Walker is going to win that race. It's going to be close, but um, I, I think Walker has some baggage. Which, what is his baggage? I mean, he does have a close relationship with Donald Trump. We know that. I'm it's not sure. That. Is that baggage or not? Yeah. No. <laughs> I, I would say there's some personal things, some accusations about his personal life, and I think that might be a, a factor as well. I, I, I think Warnock could be a surprise and could uh, get reelected. Uh, let's finish up, uh, if I could, Greg. There seems to be some glimmer of hope, at least uh, between Ukraine and Russia. Can you tell us more about that? A, a glimmer of hope to this extent. I think Zelensky knows there's going to have to be negotiations. I mean, the losses have been staggering on both sides. Uh, maybe 25,000 Russian soldiers killed, another 50 or 60,000 captured or wounded. The Ukrainians are losing troops, uh, several hundred a week. They can't sustain this indefinitely. And I do think that Zelensky hinting over the weekend that negotiations are coming is encouraging. you got to get Putin on board, but you have to concede that Putin has won most of his objectives in the East. So he knows he's not going to get to Kiev. That's not going to happen. So I see a sign or two that maybe by the middle of the summer we could be getting closer to a truce. Greg, always a pleasure. Greg Vallier, the chief U.S. policy strategist at AGF Investments. You can read more about these stories on Bloomberg.com or the Bloomberg Terminal, and you can follow all the latest on Bloomberg Radio in Washington, Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Karen. All right, John, thank you. At 6.56 on Wall Street, we turn to news and science and technology now with a Bloomberg NJIT STEM report brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology, one of the nation's leading polytechnic universities and a top military-friendly school. Learn more at njit.edu slash veterans. And now here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. Well, as you've been reporting, a plane load of more than 70,000 pounds of baby formula have arrived in the U.S. An Air Force jet flew it from Germany to Indianapolis is the start of an emergency program to alleviate a national shortage that has left some parents scrounging to feed their children. Global power grids are about to face their biggest test in decades. War, drought, production shortages, historically low inventories, and pandemic backlash. Energy markets across the planet have been put through the ringer over the past year, but somehow things are on track to get even worse. Blame the heat. Summer in much of the northern hemisphere is a typical peak for electricity use. 
This year, it's going to be sweltering as climate change tightens its grip. It's already so hard in parts of South Asia that the air temperatures are blistering enough to cook raw salmon. Scientists are predicting scorching months ahead for the U.S. And Amazon.com stuck with too much warehouse capacity now that the surge in pandemic-era shopping is faded, is looking to sublet at least 10 million square feet of space and could vacate even more by ending leases with landlords. Sources say the excess capacity includes warehouses in New York, New Jersey, Southern California, and Atlanta. And that's the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. And again, futures on the rise this morning. S&P futures up 44 points. Dow futures up 330. And NASDAQ futures up 117. So they've been adding to their gains this morning. And Bloomberg surveillance with Tom Keene and Lisa Abramowitz will be live in Davos this morning. For John Tucker, I'm Karen Moscow. And this is Bloomberg. The Bloomberg Sustainable Business Summit returns to London on April 25th for a solution-driven look at the sustainable business and finance landscape, looking at the latest trends in ESG regulations, supply chain innovation and transition finance. Speakers include leaders from CDP, Emirates Environment Group, TNFD, Ctrace, COA and more. Summit advisors include City and Schneider Electric. Visit BloombergLive.com slash SBS 2024 to learn more.